0: Every election ever. And beer. We are back. Eddie, how are you, my friend? Hey, what's going on, fellas? The good, the good professor is with us again. The one who knows the stuff. I actually spoke with one of our um, very, um, uh, what would you call it? I, I, I can't even think.
1: Our, our listeners? One are of you? our listeners. Yeah.
0: She says, fantastic show. Really? And
1: I said, thank you. Now is this a person from Turning Point? Yes. Yeah, that was that was good that's high praise.
0: Yes, it is.
1: And we've had some low praise on Twitter too, so go follow us. You'll see both of those. They they're going after all of us calling us cod pieces.
2: <laughs> yes. I see you okay come over that. to my way of thinking on that.
1: Yeah. I yeah.
2: That we were all called cod pieces. I did.
1: I, I just like the joke better with it being you, but yeah, I did I finally switched God and COD
0: pieces. <laughs> what what does that really mean, by the way? I don't know. Should we should we look that up? Should we Google that?
1: Honestly, a cod piece is a pretty important part of your ensemble, I would think. It's, it may <laughs> it's be a them.
2: history podcast, so maybe yeah. one of us should, should explain <laughs> to everybody what we are.
0: Yeah. Go ahead, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing the election of 1844. 1844 today. Yep. It's going to be very difficult to follow up last week. That was a fun. That was, was a funny. fun show. Probably one of the most fun shows, uh, not named Andrew Jackson, that we've done.
2: I love that election. It's just such a great election. Hard cider and log cabins and nothing else. Nothing matters except you made fun of the cider drinkers and the log cabin people, and now you're going down.
0: I was giddy. I was giddy with well, that election. It just seems that you know, for for many many you know centuries now, Americans have been able to get focused on one. Insignificant little thing, and we've let it consume us.
1: <laughs> Binders of women, you
0: know—that's <laughs> going to come up <laughs> from the very beginning of yeah. this
1: country. It's cra- I was you talking know? to somebody else who listens to us as well, and they're like, "You know, I, I just started listening to your history podcast, and it is amazing how much it's like today. If you really think about it, they're trying to convince us that all this stuff is new and these characters are new There's and the way they're actually, new. There's nothing new about it. it. It's all the same."
2: Yeah, in fact, after we finish 1844, we're going to find out that Clay, who's going to be the loser again, you know, he's a guy that every period of American history has that person that thinks they're going to be president, and they keep trying to be president, and then, you know, 30 years passes, and they're always in the elections, and they never win. Yeah, Henry Clay is that guy. And after this election, he's going to say, well, if it hadn't been for all the fraud, Ooh. we would have won. Oh. If it hadn't been for all the foreigners, we would have won.
1: That sounds very familiar. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime somebody from Kentucky loses repeatedly, I'm totally cool with it. <laughs> I just have to say. <laughs> That's <crazy. laughs>
2: I'm happiest if it's a, if it's a basketball. There you go. That's what I meant. Yeah, Okay. No
1: tell us, first of all, you and I were talking back and forth. We were going to mention something about Martin Van Buren's First Lady, and I want to hear about that.
2: Oh,
0: lady.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because you didn't have one. Uh, this was something I really wanted to say on the last show, but we had so many interesting things that there just wasn't time. I'm not saying there's not so many interesting things in this one, but since this one doesn't exist yet, we had plenty of time. Yeah. So, Martin Van Buren's wife died way early on, and Martin Van Buren never remarried. So, when he had events at the White House, the person that would serve as First Lady for him was a very old, very widowed Dolly Madison. What? Yes.
1: Crazy. You no kidding. Yeah.
2: She's the hostess with the most. No kidding. I wonder if she had... Never mind.
1: <laughs> Just stop. Yeah. <laughs> 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 there you go, though. So she was still entertaining in the White House. She was obviously the first that sort of took to that role, and she came back. She was so good at it. He said, hey, I got to bring Dolly back.
2: Yeah. <laughs> she, there was nobody like perfect. her. There was nobody like her. She was the the queen of Washington.
1: And then... In the middle of trying to come up with something funny to generate publicity for our podcast, I stumbled upon this guy named Martin Van Buren Bates.
2: Oh my god, that was
1: awesome! That's Crazy.
2: Did you see how many shares that got on our on our uh, deserted island of a Facebook page?
1: <laughs> it, did, it it almost rebooted our Facebook. I mean, it was who a are these of... people? <laughs> I mean, think about it. So, so first of all, who in their right mind is typically going to say, "Let's name our kid after"? Some random Dutch dude from New York when we're in Kentucky, and give him a van in his name, Martin Van Buren Bates. He's got to have been picked on in school, but for the fact that he was humongous, the opposite of Martin Van Buren, seven foot seven, three hundred and thirty pounds.
2: Unbelievable.
1: Yeah. By the way, so so crazy stuff happens in history all the time.
0: So apparently, you know, Martin Van Buren was chosen last in every single game on the playground <laughs> martin van buren bates yes was chosen first round first pick he
1: was the tetherball pole i think we're, t- we're talking
0: <laughs> almost eight feet tall yeah absolutely. he was seven foot nine the
1: tallest man in america for a long time kentucky giant
0: that's amazing anyway,
1: you find out crazy stuff doing the show so let's talk about the beers for this episode because let's do it yeah because eddie said number one try to get a beer from Mexico or a Mexican beer and if not get one from Colorado. I think you said Washington or Oregon. Is that right or close?
2: Yeah, hopefully uh western Colorado if it's from the Colorado area, California, uh anything from the Northwest Territory, which is still a thing at this time.
1: Gotcha. So I think Scott is drinking a Coors Light. Coors Light. <laughs> <laughs> They're rocking. And
0: listen, it's never going to be, if, if any of our listeners <laughs> ever happen upon one of our brewery episodes, they're going to be intrigued to see what I'm, at, what I'm drinking. Because I'm not really a micro-brew, I'm kind of a m- macro-brew kind of guy.
2: Which president of the United States absolutely loved Coors Light? He loved it so much, Air Force One made a special trip to go Nixon, and get more Coors Light.
0: Nixon. I think I know who it was.
2: Was it on Nixon? You're in, you're in the vicinity, but it's not Nixon. It was, for,
0: it was Ford then.
2: It is. It was yep. J- yeah. Jerry Ford.
0: I, I knew it was either him or Ford because I'd, I'd read that somewhere, and I, I was like, that that would have been such a cool thing. You know, Ford was a, he's a f- huge frat guy. Was he? he's a football player, right? I don't know. Yeah, University of Michigan.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yes. was. He's you the can't... most athletic president there's ever been, and at the same time the one that got the reputation for being a clumsy yep. idiot oaf because that's how they portrayed him on Saturday Night Live yep.
1: Man, just because
2: he fell
0: once. We you, got some fun episodes You trip up. down the, the, the steps of Air Force One one time, and you're a clutch your entire three years as a president.
1: Listen, Hillary would have broken that record for sure. So mine is mine's something that's actually, I guess— Brewed by New Belgium Beer in association or in, or in collaboration with a beer brewer in Mexico City called Primus. And it is a Morale Agua Fresca Cerveza. It's, it's Cerveza, but it has watermelon, lime, hibiscus, and agave. Sounds dear, like my kind of beer. Dear <laughs> God.
0: It's fermented, wow. it's fermented Man, fruit punch. I've
1: almost drank it all. It's good. <laughs> it's fermented fruit punch. <laughs> and it's from Mexico City.
0: All right, put us to shame. What are you drinking?
2: All right, I have Stone Vesa Imperial Stout. This is inspired by Mexican hot chocolate.
0: What? Ooh. <laughs> what?
2: Yes, this is stout brewed with chocolate, coffee, pasilla peppers, vanilla, cinnamon, and nutmeg. Well, how is it? I don't know. I haven't cracked it open well, crack yet. crack it open, man. It's 8.1%.
0: Okay, so Eddie will be drinking one of those today. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) I'm a total lightweight. Oof. Man, so much head. Wow. It tastes like cold, peppery hot chocolate. That's what it tastes like. It tastes like cold, peppery hot chocolate. I really like the peppers, man. It's got a kick.
0: Like an alcohol kick or just a kick of a taste?
2: No, it's the peppers. It's brewed with peppers, and those peppers really give it a sort of kick, like a, like salsa. Hmm.
1: Eddie's going to be taking some Zantac here in a minute. Yeah, no kidding.
2: <laughs> I already took one before it, because I knew it had the peppers, so Dang. I already took Pepsit or something.
1: Don't ruin our sponsorship by I'm Zantac. An, I'm a Nexium guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a little purple pill.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, so give us an update on your bowling team. I'm just kidding. We don't yeah. want to hear <laughs> about <you. yeah. laughs> Okay, the election. Here we go. Election of
2: 1844. Go. Oh, oh, is that all the beers?
1: That's all the beer we got. We got a Coors Light, and I got my fruity Mexican beer. You it fruity about fruity pebbles over
0: here.
2: All right, I got so much on the election of 1844. Well, let's hear about it. We, we got to go back, and we got to talk about a president who wasn't even elected president in our last episode because William Henry Harrison got elected, but he didn't get to be president. Right. Not for very long, anyway, just for one month. And then he died, William Henry Harrison got pneumonia, died, and there was a constitutional crisis when that happened because back then the Constitution just said, if the president dies, the vice president shall act as president. So the constitutional crisis is, okay, we're a month in and Tyler is now acting as president, but what happens now? Do we have a special election? You know, is this guy going to finish the whole term? Is he really the president, or is he just acting president? Tyler. So, is this the first example of a honest to god constitutional crisis? Oh no, 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 no. There's there's been lots of constitutional crises. They they're pretty common, though. Usually they're not they're not a giant big deal. Like people in the media like to say constitutional crisis. Yes. Like Trump. Is being impeached. It's a constitutional crisis. But that's not a constitutional crisis at all because constitutional crisis means that there is no constitutional remedy Mm. for what is happening. So it doesn't necessarily mean something exciting and terrible is happening. It just means there's no constitutional remedy. Gotcha. But this
1: is the first time, obviously, a president hasn't finished a full term, right?
2: Yeah, this is the very first time he's going to be, he's the first president to die in office. Tyler is the first vice president to become acting president. So he decides to set the precedent that he is the full president of the United States.
1: And he decides that on his own to set that precedent.
2: Yes. And he tells everybody, I'm finishing the term. I am the president. If you send me mail, that is addressed to Vice President Tyler or Acting President Tyler or anything but President Tyler, that is going in the trash. Okay, I have a special I have a special filing cabinet for that stuff and it's the trash can.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious.
2: So everybody just kind of goes along with what Tyler says and he is the president. He's the second Whig president of the United States. And why he is a Whig, i could not tell you see this is much like now you know you have people who are like republicans but they're never trump republicans and they hate trump so they're basically going to vote for any democrat that they can they're they're constantly agreeing with the democrats all have you seen these people like on twitter and stuff
1: yeah yeah the 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 george conways and the, also who's the the author that's on cnn sometimes is it bill something i think or
2: yeah bill crystal bill crystal and so it's a, it's a really weird thing they sort of join forces with the democratic party uh to get rid of trump well that's exactly what happened way back in the 1840s is that you got this Whig party out of the national republicans but also all of these people who were really on that side, but they hated Andrew Jackson so much that they became Whigs to own Jackson.
1: Yeah, it was a very it was a very, I guess, non-cohesive group of people that basically just did not like the Democratic president.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what's really funny about this is that Tyler is nothing like William Henry Harrison. In fact, I can't imagine what exactly Tyler didn't like about Jackson because Tyler seems to have a lot of ideas very similar to the things that Jackson believed. I guess Tyler really hated Jackson because he wouldn't let South Carolina nullify the Constitution. Tyler's a big states' rights guy. Anyway, so Tyler, immediately, the Whigs, they have Congress, too, and they say, ha-ha, finally, Jackson's gone, Van Buren's gone after all this time. We can finally recharter the Bank of the United States. So they write up this bill. They create this bill to recharter the bank. They pass it in the House. They pass it in the Senate. They send it to President Tyler. He vetoes it. (laughs) That's why they all hated Jackson, because he vetoed the bank. And then Tyler, right away, very first thing, vetoes the bank.
1: Yeah, so they're thinking they're going to push it through now. They've got... The, they got their Whig elected, and now they've got his vice president. They're just going to go ahead and pass this, and get back to the way they were supposed to be. And he comes along and vetoes it.
2: They had to wait all these years to get a Whig president. Their Whig president died. They got the Whig vice president as president. He vetoes the yeah, bank. they've got to be happy. Pissed off again.
0: It, yeah. Is it safe to say they wigged out?
2: Oh,
0: oh, 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 oh. from the back of the room. You nailed, nailed it. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: The Whigs end up right away. It's like 1841. He's got like three years left in office. They actually kick John Tyler out of the party. Wow. Yeah, they kick him out of the party. They say, no, you you veto the bank. You're out of the party, dude. Wow. You're gone.
1: So what happens? So I mean, what, what does he even become at that point? Just John Tyler?
2: John <laughs> Tyler, president of the United States. No
1: political party. <laughs>
2: He gets the nickname his accidency because, you know, he was never supposed to become president. You were supposed to get Tippy Canoe and Tyler, too, but you only got Tyler, too. And it turns out they didn't actually want Tyler once they knew (laughs) what he was all about. Yeah. So there was this huge riot at the White House. This is actually the reason that Washington, D.C. first had a police force is because of this riot. And they burned Tyler in effigy and hung him in effigy, and they threw rocks at the White House and everything else. It was insane. That's crazy. As we all know, there's no justice like angry mob justice. Yeah. So, Tyler, the big issue, you know, Tyler's presidency goes on, and the Whigs hate him, and the Democrats hate him just for being a Whig. Joey, he's got nobody on his side.
1: The loneliest man in America.
2: (laughs) That's right, yes, 100%. What happens when you walk in the middle of the road, you get hit by the cars coming both ways. Yeah, it's true. So the big issue that comes around is the annexation of Texas. Okay. Now, you guys, do you remember the Alamo? I remember the Alamo. I do
1: remember the Alamo. (laughs) (laughs) I love your play on words there.
2: Thank you, thank you. I think that if you went up to random people on the street and you asked them, what do you know about the Alamo? And they started to tell you all the things they know about the Alamo. I think more people would say that Pee Wee Herman's bike is in the basement there (laughs) than could tell you what war the Alamo, the Battle of the Alamo was part of. I'm sure. What do you guys think? Do you know?
1: What what war the Alamo was part of?
2: 1812.
1: Well, Scott says that's 1812.
2: A that's a good guess. That's, that's a little early. I was
1: going to say the Mexican-American.
2: That's a good guess, too. That's what I would have guessed, but it's that's a little late. Okay. Actually, and if we were our dads, we would, of course, know this because we'd have seen it in a John Wayne movie. But the Alamo is actually not part of an American war. It is... Part of a war in 1837 where Texas was part of Mexico. Texas decided to have independence from Mexico, and Texas fought a war of independence to become the Republic of Texas.
0: Oh. Led by who? Led by? Sam Houston.
2: Yes. Was it? Sam Houston is the big guy who brought all the settlers to Texas. It's actually a really funny thing because Mexico wanted all these people coming to Mexico to settle in Texas. The population of Texas, I believe, was about 14,000. 4,000 of it was actual Mexicans, and about 10,000 eventually was uh, American white settlers. Wow. So they should have built a wall to keep out the (laughs) (laughs) Americans— because then they ended up losing Texas because everybody in Texas was American. All right, so uh anyway, you have this Battle of the Alamo. Texas becomes the Republic of Texas. So Texas is its own country and Sam Houston becomes the governor. Mm-hmm. And what Texas wants is to be part of the United States. They want the United States to annex them. Please annex us. And Martin Van Buren when he's president, says, no, we're not going to do that. So then John Tyler comes along, and John Tyler does want to do that. But there's a big split, and this is going to be the major issue of the election of 1844, is whether or not to annex Texas. Who
1: was opposed to taking on Texas?
2: Okay, good question. That's actually exactly what I was about to talk about, because— um the problem with bringing texas into the union is that there is starting to be a lot of animosity over the issue of slavery it's finally starting to creep in to the politics at the national level remember when we talked about monroe and um you know missouri was going to come into the Into the Union as a slave state, and a lot of the Northerners were mad about that because you have the Three-Fifths Compromise that makes slave states more powerful than non-slave states, right? Right. So a lot of the Northerners do not want a big slave state coming into the Union that's going to all of a sudden bring more power to the South. Got it. There's also starting to be an abolitionist movement that, just on moral grounds, does not want another slave state coming into the nation.
1: And they've not yet formed a party, but they're headed that way, right?
2: Yes, they have a party. It's just not reached the national level yet. It's called the Liberty Party. Gotcha. Ah. And the Liberty Party is really a one-issue party, and it's about slavery. Got it. And the Liberty Party is actually going to be a huge difference maker in the election of 1844. So let me ask you something. Yeah. How much Polk do you all have floating around Tennessee? I mean, you live in Tennessee. Polk is a part of sort of the, the Tennessee history story.
0: Time and again, Polk County is rated the number one poorest, most undeveloped county in the state.
2: Yeah, I can remember when I was a kid and I lived in Tennessee, with, I remember learning that Polk had lived there and that Andrew Jackson had lived there. And I remember learning about Davy Crockett. Yep. Surely y'all learned about Davy Crockett, right? That, that was a badass. big deal there, right?
0: Absolutely. I mean, Davy Crockett is probably the coolest un unpresidential elected character in, in, in the history of America. There's maybe. a song about him. I mean, the guy had to have been just the most imposing
2: guy on the the face of the planet. And for a while there, he was Representative Crockett. Yes, he was. Right? He was in the House of Representatives, but then tragically killed at the Alamo. At the Alamo, you're right. So, uh, this is the big issue of the time. And Tyler says that he's running for reelection, even though he doesn't have a party, he's got these people who want to annex Texas and they're gonna vote for him and so he's running for president. Right, so the Whigs have their convention. It's all very organized now. It's a big party now. It's a major national party. They've elected a president. They've had another president who was his accident who you know they never intended on, but still there's been two Whig presidents now. It's a major party. So they have their convention on the very first ballot. They choose Henry Clay, who you will remember from the corrupt bargain.
1: How old is he at this
0: point? He's got to be pretty old. He's old. He looks like the crypt keeper.
2: They all look like the crypt keeper, don't okay, they? Okay, so
0: even older. Do, do you <laughs> do you know his his running mate's name? I do not. Theodore Frelinghuysen. Frelinghuysen. Did, did I get it right? I guess I
2: don't yeah, I mean, know. I've only seen it go, in print. For for you, I've never heard it ner- out loud. For
0: you nerds out there, F R E L I N G H U Y S E N, Frilinghusen has to be Frilinghusen.
1: I would love for that guy to be running against Trump. It now, looks like just someone, to hear him pronounce it, it. It. <laughs> it
0: looks like they unearthed Abe Lincoln and and put him up as a, as a vice president <laughs> if he was buried already. Let me look at this. Yeah, look at the picture. That does really.
1: It really looks like it a, looks like Abe Lincoln. It looks like a. Poor man's Abe Lincoln. Yeah, poor man's. It's <laughs> yeah,
2: it <does. laughs> yeah, it's, crazy. it's like yeah. Abe Lincoln got hit with a truck.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Very similar to that. And Henry Clay looks older than Joe Biden in that in that picture.
0: It does look like Joe Biden, doesn't <laughs> he- Holy smokes!
2: Henry Clay has run for president so many times, like. He's born in 1877, so at the time of the 1840s, he's like 70. He's not quite 70; he's like 67. So he oh, was
0: born in 1777. Is what you meant?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1777.
1: And the first time he ran was back against John Quincy Adams, right when he essentially made yeah, him and president. Yeah,
2: Jackson and yeah. Calhoun, and and then you know remember he was Speaker of the House. And he made the deal that got John Quincy Adams elected. We call it the corrupt bargain. Right. So he ended up being secretary of state, which is the main stepping stone at the time to the presidency, but never pans out for him. He runs for president for the next bajillion years, but it it never pans out for him. He's the Charles Pinckney or Hillary Clinton of his time. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) So uh, the Whigs have their convention. They pick Henry Clay. On the other side, the Democrats have their convention, and the obvious guy is Martin Van Buren. So they're going to bring Van Buren back for another run. But, uh uh-oh, there's a rule in the Democratic Party that you have to have two-thirds of the vote to get the nomination. And Van Buren does not have two-thirds of the vote. He's almost there, but not quite. He has a simple majority of the vote, but he doesn't have two-thirds. So they vote again and they vote again, and they vote again, and they can't reach consensus. Finally, on the ninth ballot, they choose the random guy who, I'm going to go ahead and say was not governor of Tennessee. Was he? I think he was not. I believe he ran for governor of Tennessee, but he lost. No. Yeah, he's a former governor. James K. Polk was governor of Tennessee?
0: Yes. Check governor out. of
1: Tennessee, eighteen thirty nine to eighteen forty one.
0: He he lost it. He lost uh, the state of Tennessee when he ran for for president, which I thought was funny.
2: He lost in a gubernatorial election too, but it must have been an attempt at reelection.
0: Must
1: have been. He was governor through forty one.
2: I think we should cut the part of the show where I didn't know, but you guys did, because I don't think our fans like that. <laughs>
0: I think it makes him
2: uncomfortable. I think when you're right. Right I and think I'm you're wrong. Right.
0: <laughs> I think you're right.
1: It really makes him question everything. Yeah.
2: All right, so Polk though, coming off his loss apparently in a reelection for governor, ends up getting the presidential nomination. He's a super dark horse. It's out of nowhere. On the first ballot, he got zero vote. Really? Yeah, on the first on the first ballot, they were deciding, should it be Martin Van Buren or should it be uh, Richard Mentor Johnson? Remember Richard Mentor Johnson, Rumpsy Dumpsy, Johnson killed Tecumseh. Yes. Or should it be, and then eventually, they couldn't decide on what. I think Calhoun was in the running. Oh, They gotta couldn't throw decide Calhoun on Calhoun, any I of guess. them. Right.
0: Dust and Calhoun while, off.
2: Tyler tried to get backing for being the Democratic nominee.
1: Not going to happen.
2: But instead we got the protege to Andrew Jackson, James K. Polk, who pulls it out finally on the ninth ballot. He's the compromise candidate. This is exactly like at the 2020 Democratic Convention, the way that Hillary Clinton ended up winning the nomination. It was just a compromise.
1: It feels like Eddie has traveled back from the future. <laughs> yes,
2: <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it.
1: That's weird, though. So, who who suggests Polk at all? I mean, is he? Does he happen to be at the convention? Does he? Somebody there just know that this guy might be a good candidate? How does you know, he come g- up?
0: But here's the thing. I mean, when someone when someone wins a contested uh, a contested ballot like this. It's a it's a strong possibility that someone that they added to the, the vote simply to to further dice up the number of, of counted votes so someone else doesn't win. You know see if we if we get in if we put Webb in, maybe Eddie won't win, right? So yeah. he'll but yeah. maybe some maybe he got in he backdoored the whole thing. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah.
2: He's good and part of this is seeing old Van Buren be outmaneuvered with Makes me sad, personally, because of—I mean, you guys know how I feel about Martin Van Buren.
1: Yes. I've actually seen pictures of Eddie Shrine to Van Buren in his house.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm also a bit of a fan of Polk. Polk is certainly the most consequential one-term president in history. When George H.W. Bush died recently, I can remember hearing a lot of people— on the news say that George H.W. Bush was the best one-term president ever. And I couldn't help but think about James K. Polk, who, uh, well, to give you an idea, I just read a biography of James K. Polk, and it was called James K. Polk, the man who transformed the presidency and America.
0: Pretty hefty title for a one-termer, I will say.
2: Yeah, James K. Polk, was a one-termer because that's how he got the nomination, by promising only to serve one term. And that gives everybody hope that they can come back in four years and get the person that they want, and they'll just have Polk for four years. It's one term. He's a placeholder to them. So he he
0: really was a term. He self-term limited himself. Yes. Wow. Wow.
1: Which is, by the way, what some Democrats are trying to get Biden to come out and say he'll do, you know? Yeah. Very similar thing.
0: He wouldn't be the first one because, I mean, George H.W. Bush did it to himself. (laughs) I don't think he announced that. (laughs) (laughs) He did when he said no new taxes. (laughs) Read my lips.
2: So Polk promises that he's only going to serve one term, and, and that's not unprecedented. William Henry Harrison did it the time before, but it didn't end up mattering because he sure wasn't going to serve two terms because he was dead in 30 days. Yeah. So, But that gets him over the edge. Uh, One of his nicknames, probably his most notable nickname, is Young Hickory. Ah. Protégé of Andrew Jackson. Andrew Mm -hmm. Jackson really gets behind Polk. So, uh, Polk ends up getting the nomination. The reason Van Buren can't get it is because he's against The annexation of Texas. And that's a really big issue. The Democrats are for that. They're for the annexation of Texas. They're for expansion. Martin Van Buren inexplicably gets behind Polk.
1: So he agrees to to campaign for him.
2: Not just that, but he gets behind him at the convention and helps him win on that ninth ballot. I gotcha. It's a weird thing. Van Buren and Polk don't have similar beliefs, but in between them you have Andrew Jackson, and, you know, they're both Jackson's guys. Yeah. So sometimes it's more about who you know than what you believe. I would buy that. All right, so we end up with this dark horse candidate, James K. Polk. So the Whigs decide that they're going to exploit James K. Polk's uh, general lack of name recognition. So they come up with this slogan, Who is James K. Polk? But it's said derisively, so that it's like, you know, who is that? Nobody's even ever heard of him. Ha ha, we have Henry Clay.
0: (laughs) We dusted (laughs) old Clay off and put him back on the shelf.
2: Yes, so they think You know, at the time, I mean, to to be fair to them, at the time, it's actually true, but Henry Clay is the bigger name. So we have this minor party that I was telling you about earlier called the Liberty Party. They're the abolition party. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are anti slavery. They are going to shave off enough votes from the Whig Party that. James K. Polk is going to end up taking this election. He's going to end up winning the election, but it's a tough election. But the real thing that the election is decided on is the the annexation of Texas. So Polk is for it. Clay is a flip-flopper on it. He's for it if you want him to be for it, but he's not for it if you don't want him to.
1: Whatever it takes.
2: What do I believe today? Let me grab my magic eight ball and say, what, what should I believe today? Shake, shake, shake. Yep. Um, if you just heard that sound, that was actually me putting down my magic eight ball. I actually picked it up when I said that. Nice. Okay, so Tyler doesn't get a nomination from one of the major parties, but he starts running for president anyway because the annexation of Texas is so important. So Tyler is running, they're like, Polk is like, dude, drop out. I am for the annexation of Texas. I got this, bro. And Tyler does end up dropping out. Like I said, the Liberty Party and their candidate, Bernie, ends up taking away enough votes from the Whigs that James K. Polk squeaks by. But it is a very close election. If you just look at the electoral votes, it looks like, you know, 170 to 105. It looks like it's kind of a blowout for Polk. But it's really not because in some of the states, it's just a few, you know, it's just a few hundred or a few thousand votes that separate uh, the two candidates.
1: Yeah, He won by 30,000 votes overall. Yeah,
0: it wasn't a a big spread at all. But what's weird
1: is what you said. He lost his home state. Yeah, he lost his home state. And Kentucky, which obviously that Henry Clay winning Kentucky makes sense. Yeah. Let me ask you this question real quick before you go on. Okay. So the the Liberty Party stealing votes from Henry Clay probably because they were more more aligned with him. Where were they stealing those votes? Was it a Northeast kind of movement or was it everywhere? Yeah.
2: If you look at the map, you'll see that Henry Clay won a bunch in the north. He won Massachusetts, Rhode yeah. Island, Connecticut, New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, Vermont, Pennsylvania, and New York is where the Liberty Party caused the Whigs the greatest problems.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at New York right now and it he only lost that one by it looks like less than less than 5,000 votes or around that. Um and so a lot of those votes, you know, were the Liberty Party candidate not in there, he would have won a big. I mean, that's thirty-six electoral votes. Yeah, it's going to make a huge difference.
2: And if you're looking at the map right now, are you guys looking at the map right now?
1: Yeah, yes. we don't know. We don't know all this from heart.
2: You can see that the country only goes as far west as Louisiana, Arkansas, Missouri.
0: Slightly beyond the Mississippi River. Yeah,
1: Illinois is the western frontier at that point. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, and then we've got the. um, They're not states yet, but we got a little bit of the um, Louisiana territory that hasn't become states yet. We don't own any of Texas because we gave Texas to Spain in exchange for Florida after Jackson went into Florida. That's during the Monroe administration. By the end of Polk's presidency the entire continental united states will belong to us
0: that's amazing wow okay yeah. so the, the comments you had before that he changed the the american concept as a whole as a one term president that's in that point alone is pretty accurate
2: yes he's the man who transformed america absolutely it's an area as big as the Louisiana Purchase, and that's all Polk. Polk's name is on every single bit of it. Uh, The reason that Polk is not listed as, you know, one of the top five presidents of the United States ever is because in the year 2020, the way that (laughs) Polk ends up getting this is really... Polk is a victim of presentism, which is where, you know, it's not okay today, so it's not okay. You know what I mean?
1: Yes. Yeah. He took land from people.
2: Yeah, yeah, he took land from people. He offered to buy it. They probably should have sold it to him because uh, then he went to war, but then he did buy it from them after the war, and they were more willing to sell. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I mean, he is responsible for as much of the United States as the Louisiana Purchase is. Wow. Everything basically from California, Oregon, and Washington all the way over to Texas. That's all Polk.
0: I did not know that. I had no idea.
2: I know. Isn't that weird that a president could be that consequential and that you wouldn't even know about it? But it's because of sort of a long-term embarrassment about the Mexican-American War, mm-hmm. which is how we end up with most of that. Not all of it, but most of it. Uh, when Harry Truman uh, ranked all the presidents from best to worst, and Harry Truman's top presidents were like Washington, Jefferson, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Then he had Jackson, he had a couple others, and then he had uh, James K. Polk, eighth eighth greatest president of all time, in Harry Truman's opinion. Let me give a uh, reading recommendation.
0: Please, do it.
2: James K. Polk, The Man Who Transformed the Presidency and America. That's the book to read for this episode. It's fantastic. It's a great biography of Polk. It'll be super interesting because you read all about the Mexican American War. One of the really weird things about that war is you read about all the guys from the Civil War, except they're all on the same side. You know, Grant is there. Lee is there. Probably Stonewall Jackson's there. Jefferson Davis is there. But they're all on the same side. Uh, for now, right? Yes. Fantastically interesting book.
1: Will you find out what the K stands for if you read it?
2: Yeah, I actually. I know a lot about history, but i I don't know what that damn K stands for. Let's take
0: guesses. You
1: have to say the K every time, and nobody knows what it stands Let, for.
0: Let's say, let's take guesses. All right, you first.
1: Uh, Carrie.
0: Carrie. <laughs> K e r r y. Yes. No okay. C. <laughs> it right, could be an I. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm going to go with Kelly. Okay. Ready?
2: I um. I'm going to go with. I actually know what it is now, so I'm trying to think. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to go with. Uh, oh, it's Knox. With it's Knox. It's Knox. <laughs> it's Knox. It's Knox.
0: I love it. I I dig it. Why did we not know uh, that? We should have known that. Yeah. Shame on us, Knox. I like Polk. that name, Knox. Yeah. What the hard? What the school of James Knox Polk? Hard, Hard knots, yeah. <laughs> well, guys, thank um, you so much for joining us on this episode. If you haven't followed us yet, and you are just out and about on the Twitter sphere, like us,
1: you have to do that. We're you really have funny. To. First of all, go to Facebook. We've resurrected it with these with these new stories. Okay, yeah. so you can find us on Facebook, Election and Beer.
2: You can tell Scott doesn't have a Twitter because he said they should like us on Twitter.
0: <laughs> I have no idea what Twitter was about, but yeah. <laughs>
1: And as far as Twitter, as far as Twitter, Eddie and I obviously handle that. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> you can follow us there, election and beer as well. Download our podcast. Tell someone else about it. We've asked you to do that as we go. This thing's growing, but keep keep the momentum going. We want to build this to the twenty twenty election, and we can't wait to keep going. It's it's been an awesome ride, and everybody we talk to, we're the same way as them. We just love learning about this stuff. Yes, for the first time, or you know, we may have known it before, and we're learning about it again. It's it's really cool to talk about. How it relates to today? That's the best part of this. Mm-hmm. Anything else on the way out, Eddie?
2: Uh, make sure that you tell your friends. Uh, if you really enjoy the show, take your friends' phones, subscribe them to our podcast. Yeah,
1: when your when your friend goes up to bowl, his turn. Yes, grab his phone.
2: Hey, can I can I hold your phone for you?
1: Subscribe to our podcast.
2: Ugh. You guys are such noobs. You don't even know it's the off season.
1: There's an off season in bowling. It's indoors.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I mean, you can't <laughs> just bowl all I mean most why not are, if basketball is indoors, they have an off season I mean your thumbs yeah, get but this is so a, sore this is a
1: elephant. game where you can drink while you're doing it. Why would you stop?
0: <laughs>
2: Thank you very that much for the- saying why it's the number one best sport in existence
0: yeah if nothing else, this podcast has accomplished one good thing for America. We have turned Matt Webb into a beer drinker i'm that drinking
1: is. I'm drinking a second beer already.
2: It's awesome. You're doing good. I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of you.
0: I dig it.
1: All right. Till next time, y'all. Bye.